Lord, thank you that you are our friend, you are our father. Now we pray that you would speak to us, be with us in these next moments as we hear from your word. Challenge us and show us how to live the life you have designed for us, individually and as a community, Lord. We need you to instruct us and to empower us to do what you call us to do. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Steve. In case you didn't uh, catch that already, so I am uh, the quarter-time lead pastor here. No, three-quarters-time lead pastor here. Thank you, personnel. Quarter-time, I do training East African minister stuff, so that's why we were uh, talking about some of those things, and uh, you can pray about that book that needs to get a draft done by the... So we we have... uh, But I am excited for today. Um, We have been preaching going through a series on uh, God's vision for his people in 10 words. And what is God's vision for his people? And we, we've talked about that it's not only an individual thing, but a, but a corporate thing. And um, so we're on to word number five. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land Yahweh your God is giving you. So this is number five. Now, there's been a debate about, you know, so there's two tablets of stone that God wrote these commandments on. Um, Which commandments were on which tablet? Was it two copies of ten? It could be. Or was it, uh, maybe it was the ones, because the early ones seemed to be about God, and then later it's about relating to um, other people. So justice with God, justice with other people, and there's also that stuff in there about justice with the environment, with creation. Um, but so some of us, have, I've usually thought of it as, as the Sabbath, which you heard about last time from Ben, as the kind of the transition commandment that says, do this because God rested, you should also rest, and then you should also let your, your uh, servants and animals and others rest. So that's kind of a transition s- statement. And after all, you were slaves, I rescued you from that. You should let your servants and others rest as well, your slaves. Um, but as I was reading this and re- researching more, a lot of people say that actually the first five probably were on five, and the next five, which are much shorter, um, were maybe on the next five. And so this commandment actually connects in an interesting way. In, in many ways, this is the transitions um, on the fold of the Ten Commandments because this really connects with how we honor God. You know, we've talked about that Yahweh is the Lord your God who rescued you out of slavery. That's why we obey, because he, of His grace, the relationship with us. And we are going to have no other gods and no other, no other idols. We're supposed to honor His name. We're supposed to honor His day. And we're supposed to honor our parents. And this kind of flows together. In fact, it kind of has, it kind of ends the way it began. Remember at the beginning it said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And now this part of it ends with, and to the land the Lord your God is giving you. You're out of Egypt and you're going into this new land that God's going to give you. So it kind of has a, a frame on it about Yahweh bringing them out and bringing them in. And so there's, in a way that we wouldn't necessarily, especially as uh, American middle class white folks, get the connection with how does this relate to God? Um, so we're going we're gonna to look at that. I want you to notice also in Deuteronomy 5.16, so 40 years later, 
Um, Moses preaches a long sermon and recalls all the stuff that happens, and he re-says or re-explains the Ten Commandments. And there it's a little bit different. He says, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. As in, remember 40 years ago when he commanded you? This is a command that he has given you. So that you may live long and that it may go well with you. So he adds that, that it may go well with you, which is very characteristic of Deuteronomy. If you follow these commands, things are going to go well for you. And especially this one, they're going to go well for you. In the land the Lord your God is giving you. So that's individually and corporately, things are going to go well for you. So honoring mom and dad. What does it mean? Why and how? We're going to kind of explore some of those things through Scripture. Some stories, uh, that's my, my wife Janice, who's not here because she was with her dad for his 89th birthday. Um, I was up there, took Ben's advice and took 26 hours to go up to Verndale, which I haven't been for a long time, to the farm and uh, honor them. And, uh, th- but this was uh, my parents' 68th anniversary and a little fruit pizza to honor. We, now, we had, a 40th, we had a 25th anniversary and a 40th anniversary, a 51st and a 61st, the big parties, but uh, 68th was just a fruit pizza. That was the last one because, as you know, my dad died in December. Um, so how do we honor them? Well, fruit pizza is one way. But there's other possibilities. Um, so in other nations around, so first of all, we always want to see, well, how would this have been understood in the other nations around? So first, there's the thing of dignity and, and the thing of, of giving dignity to, the, to older people. And I, you know, <clears throat> we talked about how different, different cultures have different issues and, uh, and, and different ways that they... They mistake things. So we, we mentioned the, the thing of uh, witchcraft understanding can be an issue in Tanzania and East Africa. I think we can have an idolatry and overdependence on the medical system here. Um, in East Africa, they would, in Tanzania, a uh, Sukuma person as far as being honored. I mean, if you are 45 and you say things that are disrespectful to the elders, they will bring you in front of the elders. They will have a council, they will chew you out and they will stretch you out and beat you if you have said something bad about their, the parents or the elders. I mean, it's, it's very much more that way that you need to be respectful to those who are older. And, and the understanding is the older you get, the more honor you have. Um, in, this kind of happens sometimes and he said, you'll have a senior pastor who remains the senior pastor even though the assistant pastor does all the work. And he gets older and older but he still got that respect as the senior pastor. That was something they did in Egypt at the time. They had a, uh, the staff of old age, which meant the person kept their job, and they still, they still were the, the honored person, but uh, other people actually did, did the work. Um, but they kept that honor. We do things a little different. What? You're in your 60s? You haven't retired yet? Quit. You know? What are you, what are you doing? Interesting, the Supreme Court judges retire at the average of 80. So I don't know if you really have to retire at 65, but we, we kind of have this mentality that, man, you are, I, I mean, I even think Mark Zuckerberg said something about, you know, people under 30 are just smarter. Didn't he say something? No, he's not over 30 now, so he might want to withdraw that statement. But um, maybe they get, they, you know, people get smarter as you get older. Older people get smarter. It just kind of happens. But um, 
Anyway, dignity is an important thing in that context. And support, especially for older people. So I want, I want you to notice, first of all, this command was given to the adults who were at the... Uh, it was given to the whole community. But it's not just about obeying as children. This is something we have to honor our parents our whole lives. Um, and then in the context around there, there would really be a sense of worship. Now, this is something that does happen in Africa, Asia, other places where, where you get more power and more wisdom as you get older. And when you get dead, you have even more power and, and more uh, control over things. So people are going to, uh, you know, they're going to, when they eat something, they're going to drop a little on the, on the ground for the ancestors. They're going to go pour libations on the grave. They're going to do other stuff. And, and the, the cultures around Egypt, Egypt and Mesopotamia, Others around Israel at this time did that. They really, they really honored because they felt like, well, in Africa, the thing is the ancestors are, you know, God is way up there, far away, and there's nowhere to get to him. So you have to go through people you know, like your grandparents who are dead. And they, they can talk to people who are above them, and maybe you can eventually get to the creator God. They believe in one creator God often, but it's kind of a chain of command that you, that you go through. But Israel did not do that. Israel did not worship in that way. Um, there, you know, they had dignified burial was important, but there weren't pilgrimages to the places that people were buried. There wasn't a, uh, you know, big monuments built there. There wasn't a sense that the dead could do something for you. So that was something that was not in this community that God gave. But there was quite a bit. So when it says honor, the word is kabod. It comes, we also talk about the glory of God. It comes from weight. That person is a weighty person. There's a lot to them. And so it's giving the proper weight to someone. So it's to honor. And, and the word is used about God. Those, in one of the texts it says, those who honor me, I will honor. It's that God caring for people is the other way that it's used, but honoring God. And then it's even talked about respect and fear, as in the, the fear of Yahweh. Same word, each of you must respect your mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord, your God. So there's a, a um, in, in verse 32 of that same chapter, it talks about respecting God. And it's the same word, that fear of the Lord kind of thing. And I, I want you to notice something that was very different from the cultures around. Every place in scripture it mentions, it's, it says, and here it even reverses the order. It says, respect your mother and your father. So in other cultures, it was about respecting your father, mothers, whatever. That was not an, an important thing. But in Scripture, it's always your mother and your father. You have to respect them both. I'm guessing in our culture, we've actually reversed it, where um, mothers get a lot of respect. Mother's Day is always a bigger deal than Father's Day. And, and most of us are like, you know, my mom was pretty good. My dad, yeah. Um, and and it kind of, it's kind of pervasive, actually, in our, our culture. I remember reading to my kids, Berenstein Bears. And the guy's kind of a doofus, you know? He, uh, he, he is laughable. And there's a lot of sitcoms and a lot of, uh, of uh, shows that show the father as kind of, you know, a little bit not to be respected. And, of course, most of our movies, people know that the biggest audience for movies are teenagers, so they do teenage fantasies. You know, where the kids are the ones who are really smart and the, old, the adults can't get it, you know, spy kids and whatever. And it's always the... This young people that are so amazing. 
But that was not the way the Israelites thought of it. They, they thought the longer you live, the more experience you have, the more you know things. Now, one of the issues for us is that we've had such rapid technological change, things have changed so much that, and we have so much respect for that. So, you know, my grandfather knew a lot about how to farm with horses. And he could talk for hours about how to farm with horses. And I wasn't that interested because I didn't figure I was ever farming with horses. And he didn't know anything about computers, so, you know, we didn't have that to connect on. And that, I thought computers were more important to know about. Um, but there is something, there, there is wisdom there that we, we glean if we listen long enough and we ask the right questions. And um, it may not be the coolest thing that you're into with, uh, you know, the latest show or the latest uh, technology, but there's a lot there. Um, so, like I said, they did not do ancestor worship like the others around them. But there's a really high, almost worship for parents. Parents were the ones who gave life together with God. So God worked through parents to give life. So that's a reason to respect them, whether or not they uh, did a good job after that. Um, so, dignity. Let, there's, let's, let me give some biblical examples of some of this. Do you, you guys remember this story about Noah's sons? One of them is like, hey, dad got drunk and he's naked in the tent. And the other guys are like, why are you telling us? And they went, took a cloth and walked backwards. They did not look at their father's nakedness and they covered him up for other people. This is not what our culture does now. It's like my dad was famous. Let me write a book about what an idiot he was. And I'll make millions. Well, Mommy Dearest, was that one of the first ones? Everybody loves to tell stories about their parents. And, and you know... Of course, there's also the whole psychological thing. All your problems are your parents' fault. So just go and unpack everything they did wrong to you, and eventually you'll be fine. Maybe. Um, so the thing is, there is a lot of connection between what our parents did and what happens with us. Right? And so there, there's truth in that. So we want to be honest. We want to recognize, but that doesn't mean we have to bring shame to our parents. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Support. A, a great biblical example of this is, is Naomi, Ruth and Naomi. Now, it's kind of crazy because this is a mother-in-law and the husband's dead. She has no obligation to take care of her mother-in-law, but she realizes she has nobody to take care of her. Her husband's gone. Her sons are gone. She's got nobody to care. So as a, as a, and her mother-in-law says, no, you're, you're young. You can remarry. You can stay here. She leaves her country and goes to be with Naomi and her God just to defend her. And she's out digging up things off of the ground in order, you know, catching all the wheat that was left over so they'd have something to eat. And people noticed, wow, she really has done something. You know, to be honest, in-laws are a little harder. Because you weren't around when they did all of that, you know, caring for you and changing your diapers and everything. So you don't feel like you owe them quite as much. And they don't have quite the same culture as you do. Like your parents, you know, they, you and them share a culture that uh, is similar. But your, your in-laws, you know, they don't quite get it. Just like your wife, because she was raised by them, or your husband, because he was raised by them. But, um, but here's Naomi honoring, and because of her honor for Naomi, Naomi ends up, she says, I'm, I'm empty, I'm bitter. She ends up say, being full and having a grandchild. And, you know, Ruth... We don't even know if she liked Boaz. 
You know? Just Naomi said, you know, he's a relative. He could help us out. He could restore the land. And she's like, okay, mom, I'll do it. I'll marry him. That's really not what most of our movies kind of tend to portray. Um, but Ruth is really held up as a, as a great example. Proverbs tells some things that obey their teaching. Proverbs is almost a, a lot of it is how to do this. It's advice to a young man on how to be a good person. This is my instruction. Hang on to your mother and father's instructions. It says follow them and they'll, they'll give you life. Uh, it says, don't hurt or curse them. Now, the law also talks about if you hurt or curse your parents. Now, this is not just like uh, you, said, you, said, you got upset and you said something. But if there's a, a pattern of disrespecting them, if you attack them and, and beat them, the, the community is supposed to together stone you to death. Because this is similar to idolatry. You have disrespected your parents. This is a serious thing. In the law, that's why it's close to um, idolatry. Now, it's not following Yahweh is first in the list, so we're gonna we're gonna get there. But um, and then bring them joy by becoming wise. There is nothing as great for parents as to have their kids be somebody they can be proud of. And Proverbs says, "Here's how you do it: follow my instructions. Do this. Do this. You'll become a wise person. You'll become a respectful." respectable person and you will give honor to your parents just by the way you live but also by the way you talk to them and the way you talk about them that's part of the dignity right but again this is not really sampled very well in our media especially or our culture we often don't talk respectfully about parents or grandparents um so ephesians 6 brings this up and you know if you're so the sabbath is a little bit tricky there's been some discussion about exactly how we follow the sabbath because it isn't exactly repeated in the new testament and so do we do it on saturday do we do it on sunday do we have to rest or is it the principle there's some discussion about that that's not a discussion with this one because jesus and paul and others repeated this command and said you have to do this even in a new setting new context this is still there. So this is New Testament now. Paul says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Not because they're so good. Not because they always make the right decisions. Not because of other things. But because you belong to the Lord or in the Lord. So that you don't obey them if they tell you to disobey. If they tell you to worship idols. If they tell you to steal something. You don't obey them in that. You're obeying the bigger tradition by disobeying him that rare instance when they would go against God. But children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. So Paul repeats the command and the promise for us. Now, um, so I called my mom uh, yesterday and I said, so how did you, uh, I, I'd asked her this before too, but I, but I said, uh, how did you honor your parents? And she said, well, um, you know, my mom was pretty sickly, so we did pretty much all the housework, my sister and I, and pretty much all the ironing, and, and we really obeyed them. My, my dad, we had a discussion one time when, when we were disciplined. My mom said, well, one time I was whispering in church, and my father gave me a bad look. I felt terrible. My dad was like, what? 
That's the worst you can come up with? Um, man, I was out of the woodshed a lot. And anyway, but she honored her father and mother. And, um, and uh, then she, she said, well, here's an example of how to do it. She, she called me this morning and said, I called her yesterday. She said, you know, five of my six kids called me yesterday. And uh, I, I um, she said, and, you know, Nathan calls from Africa every once in a while. He didn't call yesterday. But, um, but she said, you know, you also need to tell people to honor their children because there's kind of a mutual honor that goes on. And um, so this verse goes on and says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, notice that we're keeping a tradition here. This isn't just that we tell them what to do. We are, we're responsible to bring them up in the tradition that was given to us by God, the tradition that comes from Scripture. Um, so, where does obeying end? I said now in Sukuma land it ends at 45. Um, here, it can end pretty early. Um, some of the teenagers are in that, do I have to obey? When can I quit obeying? Um, and, and some of you are... So there, there comes a time... Let's, let's look at what Jesus did. Because um, there's, there's a time that it can get interesting as we move from obedience. So Jesus, what's his example? So he was 12 when this happened. He uh, was in the temple and he was listening and asking questions. And notice that he was 12 and he was listening and asking questions. Pretty good. Um, he knew a lot, but he didn't tell them everything he knew. He was asking questions and learning. And everybody's amazed at his questions and what he was saying, and his parents go off, and he doesn't join them, and they're like days out, and like, where is Jesus? Um, and this wasn't like a word, you know, a spiritual question. It was just like, where is the kid? And so they 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 run back to Jerusalem, and, and he says, "But why did you need to search?" He asked, "Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house?" But they didn't understand what he meant. Um, so there comes a time when kids are, hopefully, they're. they're you're following your own path and your own, you know, you're, hopefully your kids learn how to hear from God and follow Him themselves. And sometimes we don't always know how they're supposed to do that. Um, I was pretty sure my daughter was supposed to go to Bethel where I went to school. Right, Peg? And, uh, and, uh, and then she said, and she, you know, listened respectfully and went, I called somebody about, is it going to be okay to be a Christian there? And, I, and, um, and there was more money. And she said, well, I think you should write them back and ask for more financial aid. And so I did that. Anyway, but I had to respect the fact that she felt like God was telling her to go to this place. And so I said, okay. Um, but I, you know, we asked a lot of questions. We had to you know, figure out the math and how much it's going to go up each year and so forth. But um, at some point, you have to let your kids learn how to follow God themselves. And this is... But then notice here, it goes on and says, Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored up all these things in her heart. So even after he was 12, he was still obedient to his parents. Um, just for you, the youth, you know, even after he was 12. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. My, my mom said, you know, we had teenagers for 20 years, and that was, I thought it was a good, a good time. Um, it can be different than the way our culture portrays it. Part of it, our culture portrays this thing about discovering yourself 
is what it's all about. And that's something you do all on your own and just discover from nowhere. It's, there's nothing to do with the tradition you've inherited or what your parents have put into you. you you're supposed to be a self-made man. Um, but Jesus did say something else. He said, do you remember when he said, you have to follow me? And uh, one guy said, well, I, I need to bury my father, who probably wasn't even dead yet, maybe. But anyway, Jesus said, you have to hate your father, your mother, your wife, your children, and follow me. So that seems different than this, right? But we have to put it in context. So Jesus is saying, when Jesus calls you to follow him, you need to follow him, even if your parents disagree. Because I am Yahweh, your God. You'll have no other gods, no idols. That all comes first. So family can't be first. Your parents and following them can't be first. Now, when we went to Tanzania... Dan's parents weren't exactly excited about it. And we tried to explain to them. They didn't say don't, but they didn't get it. Um, and they've grown in their faith partially. Now they're, now they're glad. My parents were excited about it. They still are. They, they would be happy if I was still there. So I honored them by being in Tanzania and doing what I was doing. Um, so, but we have to, so there's this balance between letting kids follow God themselves and hopefully learning to make those decisions themselves and internalize the tradition, the instruction, and obeying so that they can make the decisions themselves. Um, okay, let me give another example from Jesus. This relates to support. Again, it also is about following a tradition, but the tradition, sometimes your parents can miss the tradition. So in this case, the Pharisees were missing the tradition. And, and they said, how come you're not following our tradition of washing hands and all that stuff? And Jesus says, but you guys... Don't even follow the commands because you want to follow your own tradition. So Jesus went above them to Moses and said, you know, your tradition is fine, but Moses, God actually told him this. So he says, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. Again, I said, Jesus repeats this. Um, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you, Pharisees, say, it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. So Jesus here is saying, you know, the Pharisees had a, you know, if you want to give it to the temple, that's okay. We'll, you know, if you want to give stuff to us as a church, you know, that, that'd be fine. You know, and your parents, whatever. It's their social security. No, no, no. Jesus said, no. That comes first. You have to honor your father and mother. And even when it comes to the instructions about widows, um, Tim, Paul says to Timothy, he says, if they have family, their family should be taking care of them. So in the pictures you saw in Tanzania, the families are taking care of them. The ones who can't manage that, then the churches are, if they have no family, they have nobody else to care for them. So the families should be taking, we should be supporting. Now, here's the thing. It gets a little messed up in our culture because we've done some good things like Social Security, which we all pay to make sure that elderly people and, and widows and so forth are taken care of. Um, but then we're like, I paid my taxes. I don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, I, why would I have my parents in my home? Because if they, go to, if they go into the nursing home, it'll get paid for by the government. If they, I won't get paid anything if I spend all my time. To, you know, so it gets twisted around where because the government's doing part of it, we're like, yep, yeah, it's taken care of. Not my issue. Um, 
how do we honor them? So Jesus, this is John 19. This is one of the words at the cross we tend to forget about. Jesus is in agony, dying on the cross, almost dead. And what is he thinking about? He's thinking about his mother. He's thinking about how does he honor his parents. He's standing near the cross where Jesus stood, where Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw that his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, John, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. From then on, this disciple took her into his home. I want you to see that as Jesus, you know, we have this thing about as Jesus was dying on the cross, he was thinking of me, all those good, you know, country gospel songs. He wasn't. He was thinking about his mother. Um, he was thinking, who's going to take care of mom? <laughs> um, I, I, I tend to think Jesus had other things on his mind than me. But anyway, it seems a little selfish. Anyway. He was thinking about mom. How was he supposed to take care of mom? And this other disciple welcomed him. And I want you to notice here there's also a principle that goes beyond this, that sometimes the body of Christ has to be what our parents couldn't be or what our children couldn't be. Sometimes we need to get the honor we don't get from our kids in the body of Christ. Sometimes we need to take care, sometimes we need to find parents who take care of us in ways that our parents weren't able or didn't do for us. And we need to honor those who do that. Um, Some of you were at Julie's 60th birthday party. And uh, Julie doesn't have any kids of her own, but she has a whole lot of kids here. Um, She was doing youth group with me, um, and those were the kids she'd had as kids before that. And she's taking care of a lot of kids here, so we need to respect her and take care of her. Even if she's not your mom, she's mom to a lot of us. And there's a lot of older... So that this principle extends to um, other people in the church. In fact, it extends to society. Um, because um, in Scripture also, you know, kings are talked about as fathers or, and that kind of thing. And, and I think you can see it in our society that this is breaking down. Us baby boomers, I'm, I'm in the tail end of the baby boom... We, we got this great idea of the hippie revolution, and we were kind of whatever our parents, we know better. And uh, we did our thing, and now we're there. And, you know, people used to talk about government officials respectfully. People used to talk about leaders of other things with respect. Now we tend to mock, and we tend to... There, there's nobody that we respect anymore. And it started with rebellion against their parents. And now that we as baby boomers started that, guess what's happening? We're getting it back. So let me tell you something. If you want your kids to respect you, respect your parents. And respect your kids. Talk respectfully to your parents. Do things for your parents. Uh, your kids will catch it. Now, I know there's, a <laughs> there's, it's hard, there's some hard things here in culture shifts. For example, some of you came from Africa and now you're here, and your kids have been in a whole different way of instruction on how to respect elders and parents. And elsewhere, and this is true of most places outside of America, people have more respect for elders. And um, Korea as well. I see a big nod over there. The East is, as well as Africa and other places. There's more respect for parents. Um, but our culture, so 
it's really a painful thing, I think, for a lot of immigrant parents to have their kids learning things here and being like, whatever. So as parents, we need to adjust, but as kids, we also need to learn, and you need to respect your parents maybe differently from the way your peers do because they, they came from a different culture. They respect, they expect a little different kind of respect. Um, anyway, in every culture and in every in-between culture like we have, we need to learn how to do this. And it can be different at different times, different places, but the principles are there, and you need to find the ways that work for your family so that they feel respected. Another piece, <clears throat> we need to keep their tradition. This is one way of showing respect. When they have a, they have a way of, for example, in my family, <laughs> if the church doors were open, you were there. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, other things, um, we were there. So it really makes a difference to my parents that we go to church. Um, and they, they appreciate that we're in church. And if any of their kids aren't in church or their grandkids, they, 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 they pray more. No, uh, they, pray, they pray for us twice a day anyway, but my, my mom does now. Um, my kids um, wrote this morning about, one of them wrote about what they, uh, what they heard in church and decided they weren't going to complain this week in India. And the other one wrote about what he learned in Uganda at church this week. And my kids are in church. That really honors me a lot. I mean, my kids also know how to say things that honor me. And I, I really appreciate the honor. And I want you to get this. There's nothing better than honor from your kids. Except maybe honor from your parents. So kids, as much as you wish your parents would say how they're pleased with you and how they love you and how they care, they want that just as much. It means just as much to them as it means to you. Now, it's hard for you to get out of the, that, to realize that, but it, it does. Um, and then, here's another way to honor your parents. Forgive them. So some of you have been saying, as you've been sitting here saying, you don't know my parents. You don't know what I went through growing up. You have no idea. How can I honor my mom, when she was an alcoholic, how can you honor my dad when he abused me? How can, you, how can I honor um, their... And none of us have perfect parents. All of us have got to learn to forgive. Some of us have to forgive more than others. There, there's things in my family and, I will, and our extended family that I will, I will draw the uh, dude like Noah's kids and not share the shame. But there, there is, uh, you know kids who were raped by grandparents and, and incest and other things that went on that, that we I respect but not talking about. But there's always stuff that you've got to forgive. Little stuff, big stuff. And the problem is because of what your parents did, it, it, it gets down deep. Sometimes your parent just made some casual comment that they didn't mean much by, but it stuck with a barb in your heart, and you have a hard time getting that out. And in the end, we have to forgive. Um, I, um, I was reading this story. I hope you haven't heard it before, but um, <clears throat> the pastor from Portland wrote this book. Um, he mentions, um, as I mentioned, my father and mother went their separate ways when I was just a baby. Like so many others that I've counseled over the years, I too have had to face the pain and the emptiness of a dad who wasn't there for his little boy. 
He wasn't there to play catch with me. He wasn't there for all my ball games or school activities. He wasn't there to encourage and comfort. My dad was there. He was just at church 70 hours a week. But uh, anyway. In other words, we all have things to forgive, right? He had... He had almost become the man who never was. My mother never mentioned his name to me once in her whole life. Worst of all, I had to work through the feelings of rejection that began to surface in my adolescence. Maybe it was all because of me. Maybe I was a problem or reason for my mom and dad's divorce. When you have time to wonder and no information to work with, you begin to imagine all kinds of things. He goes on to say, but I've learned something. I've learned that the one thing better than having such a father is being such a father. My dad wasn't there for me, but I can be there for my boys. Uh, Such a father meaning a good father. Um, then he tells a story. He's, he lives in Portland, but he says, uh, I stood nervously at the door and looked into the man's strained features. It was a face I had never seen before, not even in a picture, not even in my imagination, yet it was like looking in a mirror. Forty-something years of questions and apprehensions tumbled about in my mind. This was the first time I could ever remember seeing this man who called himself my father. He invited Joyce and me into his tiny apartment. We hugged. He wept a little. He made an awkward attempt at small talk. And as we began to speak of the past, he was very careful to take the blame for our family's breakup on himself. He'd gone away to the war, he told us in a quiet, hesitant voice, and when he came back to his wife and new baby, things weren't the same. He didn't elaborate. He looked into my eyes. I know, he said slowly, that you can never forgive me. Then I guess you really don't know me, I replied. Um, This encounter with my biological father took place some years ago in Burnsville, Minnesota, after a nationwide search. It had been Joyce's idea she had felt even more deeply than I that there was something unfinished in my life. Joyce thought I could, should meet this man, look him in the eyes and talk to him if he was still alive. I know that my wife walks with the Lord and when she urges me to consider something, I consider it. Thankfully, I hadn't, truthfully, I hadn't felt any need to see my father. I didn't feel that I was holding anything in my heart against him or that I was troubled with bitterness or unforgiveness. But maybe she saw something I didn't see. Maybe she understood something intuitively that I hadn't understood. So I agreed and after much research, a thousand phone calls, and not a few miracles, she found him. We packed our bags for Minnesota. For me, it would be a living out of the fifth commandment in a way I had never expected or imagined. <clears throat> At the end of the chapter, he, uh, he closes the, the story. Um, and uh, he says this. Um, he talks about forgiveness. He says, nevertheless, forgiveness is powerful. It will change your lives. It will change yours. That day in the little apartment in Burnsville, Minnesota, I remember looking at my dad and saying, how could I not forgive you? If the Lord has forgiven me and doesn't hold anything against me after all I've done, how could I ever hold anything against you? Dad, listen to me. I don't know everything about the past and I don't want to, but I forgive you. When I said those words, tears sprang into his eyes. I can almost hear the sounds of a key being turned in the lock and a jail door swinging open. I can see in his eyes that he experienced release in that moment, and in a strange way, I guess I did too. Joyce had been right, as she usually is. I sensed the completion in my own heart in an area that had long been under lock and key. To my knowledge, I had held, hadn't held any bitterness, but that whole area of my heart had been tucked down in the bottom of a deep freeze. After that moment, the frost melted. Just six months later, he passed away. I've talked to some of you, I talked to some of you this week about the hard things in your life and with your parents. And some of you said every morning you have to forgive them before you put your feet on the floor. 
um, it's not easy to forgive because it really hurts. But God has forgiven us. He has given us, he, he gave all so we could be forgiven. And we can have our copy of the, you can list out the offenses, the problems. Don't, don't cover it up. Don't pretend it didn't happen. Say, this was the issues. And then take that list of what you were owed and what was wrong and, and give it to God and let your copy be marked paid in full based on Jesus' blood. We sang it earlier. And given back to you. Let God deal with them. But you need to find that release. And you need to release them. And none of us as parents don't need forgiveness. None of us as kids don't need to forgive. Um, so forgiveness is, is key to honoring our parents. Because we will not honor them <clears throat> truly without forgiving them. So why do we honor our parents? Because they earned it. Well, maybe. In other words, they may have uh, done other things. So here's Egyptian instruction um, from way back in that time. Double the food your mother gave you. Support her as she supported you. She had a heavy load in you, but she did not abandon you. When you were born after your months, she was not yet yoked to you. Her breast in your mouth for three years as you grew and your excrement disgusted. She was not disgusted, saying, what shall I do? When she sent you to school and you were taught to write, she kept watching over you daily with bread and beer in her house. I don't know how much beer there was in your house for as a kid, but um, that was what they said in ancient Egypt. Now, so we owe something that we often... The crazy thing is our kids don't remember the first five years that were all that work. They don't even remember that. But um, I realized the twins didn't remember the five years we spent. You know, that was like, what? Um, anyway, but maybe they didn't earn it. Maybe they don't deserve it. There isn't an exception clause in this commandment. We still need to honor them. With God, they gave you life. That's a reason to honor them. You are not a self-made man. This is something that we really need to get a hold of, that I didn't do this all on my own. And this is the story we all tell of. You know, I did this. I made this fortune. I whatever... And actually, we are, rest, we are standing on the shoulders of many others, especially our parents. And uh, that's not the kind of story that we like to tell um, with, with support. Uh, my mom is, uh, is living with my brother. As he, when his wife kicked him out 10 years ago, he couched her for a while and then moved in with mom and dad. And uh, it's perfect because she thinks she's taking care of him. And, uh, and that's what she likes to do as well as her Bible studies and whatever. And, and, uh, but he's also taking care of her. But the thing is, in our culture, that's looked down on. When are you going to grow up? You're retired already. Why do you, why do you have your parent, mom living with you? Instead of the reverse, I talked to somebody from Turkmenistan. He said, the youngest son always stays home until his parents die. The older ones go off, get an education, maybe come back and build next door. But if you don't do that, you are not a good person. In our culture, if you don't go off and make your own way and whatever with your parents, you aren't, you haven't grown up. Um, you don't have to disrespect your parents to grow up, um, which is kind of the cultural narrative. Um, it's commanded. God told us, but he told us for a good reason. It comes with a promise. 
the promise of a long, good life. Now, this is a long, good life both for the community, because if people take care of their elders and they, and they obey their, their parents, this will be long, good. Just imagine what our society would be like if people did that. We know that when people get older, if they're by themselves, they die faster. In fact, social capital, if you have a lot of friends and you go to meetings, you'll, let, you'll live two years longer than if you don't have friends and, and you don't... It, people with their families live longer. Otherwise, they run out of purpose. They run out of... And they're, uh, that's just the way it happens. Um, also, honestly, kids who are rebellious tend not to live as long because they tend to get into stuff that's stupid because they're not obeying their parents' instructions. Um, it's, if you want a long, good life, do this so that your kids can also model it. Um, so you might have noticed Jan's not here. I, I took Ben's instruction, like I said, spent 26 hours up at the farm, and uh, she made a German chocolate cake for her dad, who's 89. So I figured I should ask him, uh, how do you, you know, what did you do for your parents? Because this is, for the community, it's also an individual instruction. Now, again, this is a general rule. It doesn't mean, you know, my, my best friend Paul died at 45. It doesn't mean he was disrespectful of his parents more than um, other people. Um, but in general, this is what happens. And God does give this. So he's 89, and so what do we do to celebrate his birthday? Well, the, the evening before, we walked the fields of his farm and, and looked at <coughs> where the potatoes were, and he told all these stories about this land that he's been living and, and breathing for 14 years, since he was 14 years old. Sorry, since he was 14, he's been, this land matters to him. And then uh, we threw hay bales and moved the hay that he had done that summer from one place to another. And then I cultivated up some rocks and, uh, and we, uh, and he's 89. I mean, I was trying to keep up with him with the hay bales. Um, so God has blessed him. And, uh, but he was like, oh, my, my, two of my sons are here. My daughter's here. My son-in-law, let's, let's get some work done as well as play a game and have some fun. Um, and uh, have a cake. So, um, so, and so to honor them, let me just tell a little bit about some of the things they did. So his mom was a mile and a third away, and uh, so he was always over there doing stuff for her, and, and in the winter she stayed with him or with uh, his sister. Um, <clears throat> the, Jan's parents uh, lived in Chaska. They couldn't pay the taxes anymore, so they moved up next door to... Uh, to uh, Clarence and Mary, and they bought them a place, and they're always helping out, and the kids were always helping out, and there was um, mutual help there. Um, for my my parents, my mom had uh, when my her dad died, her mom never slept again in that house. She slept with the three. She stayed with the three kids um, for nine years. She stayed with the kids, and the last two years she stayed with us. So two of my grandmothers, my two grandmothers, died in in our house um, when. My dad's parents got old, they, and mom was, grandma was really in dementia and anxious. She, she moved in, and, and I said, well, how was that, mom? She said, well, you know, she, she was out in the night going, so I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go. So, and I'd just get her down, and she'd have to go, oh, I got to the bathroom again. Then I, if I was out of sight, she'd say, where are you? I can hear you, but I can't see you. Um, and so that period was, was kind of hard. And then for, for eight years, my, uh, after she died, that w- didn't last too long. She died on Christmas Day in our house, 
And then uh, my, my grandfather stayed with various kids in the last... And so about four years just with, with my... My grandma stayed with us for four years total. My, my grandpa stayed with us for four years total. At some point, they felt like they had to come help us in our first term. And so they, there were five other siblings they hoped took them and they didn't. They put them in the nursing home so I, in his home community. So I'm not saying this is the only way you can do things. Um, but they really did sacrifice for them. And they, they had 68 years together. Mom was 93. Dad was, mom is 93. Dad was 91. Um, God fulfilled the promise to them and to my, my in-laws. And they're cool people, and it's a great blessing to us. And the way that we've been able to honor them, and they've come and lived with us for some months at a time, and has been important. Jan, when we were looking for a house, she's like, we have to have one with a bedroom and bathroom on the main floor because our parents are probably going to be with us. And I was like, oh, we could do it. No, we have to. So God helped us do that. Um, so... Um, so, that's just my, my example. It's a beautiful thing. And it, it gets passed on. And I think one of the reasons my kids respect me is not because I'm so, so respectful. It's because they caught it um, from their mom, from, from their grandparents. So, here are the questions. Do you give your mom and dad honor? Do you give them obedience? Now, if you're an adult... If Jesus is showing you a different way, I'd say if you're a kid, if you're 18 and under, you, you still got to obey. Um, and probably longer than that. Smart parents start opening the doors wider and, and, and not being so... I, I remember when, when our daughter Rachel was in high school, she said, what could I do that you wouldn't allow me to do? She actually asked that. I said, well, I, you know, don't... Don't go get drunk. Well, I wouldn't do that anyways. Well, don't go get... Well, I wouldn't do that anyways. So, okay. So go to college then. Do, do whatever you want to do because you don't want to do the things that I don't want you to do. Um, so at that point, I, you know, I, I, at some point in high school, I figured out, you know, this is your grades. This is your college or not. This is your... Make your own decision about what you can do with homework. Um, I used to get in fights with, with Justin especially and... Tooth and nail, you know, and if you don't do the dishes, then I'm going to, you know, more chores and whatever. And I finally, you know, you know what? Um, do the dishes whenever you want to. But if you're going to argue about it, go outside because that bothers me. So um, anyway, so we learn. Okay, I don't, I'm not saying I know how to do it. But um, we need to, the best way to get your kids to honor you is to honor your parents. Um, and do it well. You know, isn't it interesting in Scripture... It always talks about responsibilities and not about rights. There's nothing in Scripture about the rights of parents to be in authority. Or children's rights, for that matter. It does say you honor your parents. You, as a spouse, be loving and submissive and, and uh, so forth. Anyway, um, give dignity. Do you give your mom and dad dignity in the way you talk to them, in the way you talk about them? Now, when you're training your kids and you're trying to teach them values, there may be times when you say, yeah, grandma and grandpa do it that way. I wouldn't do it that way for this reason, but we st they still have their reasons, but here's what I want you to understand. Um, do you give them support? 
Maybe it's financial, maybe it's... Now, some of you I know are sending your money to, back to Haiti or Congo or wherever to try to support your parents. Um, you wish you could be there. Some of you get your parents to visit you from Uganda. How cool is that? Um, have you given them forgiveness for the things they've done wrong? That's so important. Are you keeping the tradition, the real traditions that they passed on, the good traditions? I guess that was the last one. Um, are you honoring your parents? Um, so we're not going to have an altar call. The worship team can come up, though. We're not going to have an altar call. This is a, uh, a sermon that you obey after you leave here. Because most of us don't have our parents here. So I would encourage you to go home and ask these questions. How am I honoring my parents? Yes, these are the things they did wrong. Can I forgive those things? How can I shift that to a better narrative for my kids? And, you know, give them a call. Stop in if they're close. Um, send them a note and say how great they were and uh, how much you appreciate them. Be honest, but in a positive way. Um, there's a lot we can be grateful for. And... Um, this is not something that's easy to do. Some of you are caring for older parents, and um, I know Andrew and Sarah are caring for her parents, and it's not always easy to, uh, to do what's, what's needed. But God said He wants us to do it, and it comes with a promise. A long, full, good life. Um, let's, let's sing this song. Let's pray first. Lord, This is not an easy thing. Some of us, well, we just have different challenges. Some of us are finding it hard to obey. Some of us are finding it hard to forgive. Some of us are just finding it to be a lot of work to support and care for and visit and, and honor. But this is really close to your heart. We know that we cannot say that we are making you king and making you authority and then reject other authorities. We have to be submitting to you and the authorities that you put in our lives, especially our parents. Lord, please enable us. We do not have it in us to obey your commandments. We do not have it in us to forgive, to consistently honor. Sometimes we get tired. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to give the honor that they deserve in the Sabbath years of their lives and in the early years of their lives. God, we, um, we need you to enable this in us. I pray that as we go from here, you will speak to our hearts, that we'll take the time to listen and say, how can I honor better? Thank you for helping us honor as we have been able to. Enable us to do an even better job because we want to honor them and to honor you for giving them to us. Thank you for the parents that you've given us. We pray your blessing and honor through us.
on them. Amen. Go in the name of the Father, our true Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit to give honor. Amen.